today on CityCast Salt Lake. Lead producer Emily Means joins me to round up the news of the week in our darling city. It's Friday, July 29th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Lots went down in our city this week. Let's get through as much of it as possible so that folks who are listening can move straight into weekend planning with a little bit of information. Emily, you start. What caught your eye this week in the news? What caught my eye? Okay, one big thing was that Salt Lake City has started the process of lowering its speed limits Hmm. on very specific streets. Yeah. So they'll be lowering the speed limit from 25 miles per hour to 20 miles per hour on like 70% of neighborhood streets in the city. And there was like a really cute photo op with the mayor swapping Mm -hmm. out one of the signs. They'll actually be changing nearly 600 signs throughout (laughs) the city. So sounds like, you know, a bit of a process. But what I like about this story, Allie, is that this is pretty much the direct result of some community involvement, community engagement. And that's what Mm -hmm. makes it a feel good story. Yeah. Yeah. So Sweet Streets, which is an organization of basically community members that want to make roads safer for pedestrians and bikes in particular, but basically everyone. Because, of course, in Salt Lake City, we have lost too many neighbors to automobile violence. And so this is one solution that the city is taking on. But Sweet Streets ran a whole campaign, 20 is plenty, to get this to happen, and they were successful. And we'll see what the implications are. I mean, one of the criticisms I've seen is like, okay, well, if it feels like people are barely driving 25, so is lowering it to 20 going to have an impact? And I'm sure there will be studies, and I'm sure a year from now we'll get that data and we'll know. But it's really good messaging. Yeah. Asking people to slow down. We don't have that local data yet. You're right. But Sweet Streets has pointed to multiple studies that show if we are going slower in our cars on these streets, um, the likelihood of you being Mm -hmm. severely injured uh, during a pedestrian auto accident, uh, it goes down a lot. So I think that's Mm -hmm. really promising. Allie, have you tried out driving 20 miles per hour? In this city. Um, Have you tried this? I can't say that I have. I will say like, this is an embarrassing and feel free to call and yell at me, everyone. Um, You can find the hotline number in our Twitter bio, but I am a real go the speed of traffic kind of driver. So I kind of just do whatever the person in front of me is doing. I am not terribly conscientious about what the speed limit actually is. Like if I'm driving down 7th East, I'm kind of just going the speed of traffic. And I slow down for lights, which which is is like, yeah, I mean, like it is 45 to 50. Have I tried driving 20? No, but it's something I will try this weekend. Okay, test it out because I tried it on Fifth East right past Liberty Park. I figured like this would be a good place to drive slower. There are a lot of folks running around and it felt very slow. But it mostly felt slow because the people behind me wanted to go much, much faster. (laughs) So um, I'll be really interested to see what kind of behavioral changes uh, we make as a community as as we go about lowering these speed limits. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say this, like I did spend 24 hours commuting around the city only by bike. And I could tell you that when you're on a bike near cars, 20 miles per hour still feels really fast. Yeah, exactly. And this is just the first of what the city is saying will be many steps um, Mm -hmm. to calm traffic throughout town. And I would like to see that because I mostly am a pedestrian and it's very scary to walk around these streets and feel feel so vulnerable as these yeah. cars speed by. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, we also got more transportation news this week, which is a new track stop on, you might have seen it if you've been driving around downtown. So right on Main Street between 600 South and 700 South. It's lovely. It had its ribbon cutting. It is open for business. And that's a neighborhood that is, I think, about to see a lot more commerce Mm -hmm. in particular because it's like kind of near that old Sears building, which that plot of land was very hot and very sought after by a couple different entities for a while. But Intermountain Healthcare won out and there is going to be a community health station there, like a hospital. Mm So this new track station alley, at first I was like, um, there's a track station a block away from this new one. There is. It's on 5th South and Main. Um, But then I realized just how much growth has happened around that area and all of the new apartment buildings that have come up. And I'm like, okay, actually, this makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's hot. It's a hot spot. What else this week? How about millennials? We love some millennial news. As millennials ourselves... Sage Miller from KUER did a story on millennials in the state legislature. We have a new incoming state senator, Nate Bluin, who's a millennial. Millennial incoming. Millennial incoming. (laughs) Watch out, everybody. And Sage also talked to uh, Representative Candace Perucci, who's a Republican who's been in in the legislature for a little while now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like this story because, one, I am a millennial. Two, Mm -hmm. I agree there needs to be way more millennial representation, but also generally the legislature doesn't come close to representing the demographics of this state in terms of age, in terms of gender, in terms of race. So it would be really nice to throw more millennials into the mix. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that keeps a lot of young people from running is that it's so damn expensive. Oh, yeah. And time consuming. (laughs) And I know in theory, running for office, like you're you're supposed to raise donations. It shouldn't be self-funded. Good luck with that. It is really hard when it is your name on the ballot not to put your full self into winning that race. And it is an expensive pursuit. And that is one of the things that keeps a lot of young people, I think, from from getting in the mix. Yeah. The other thing is, I don't know many professions that allow you to take 45 days off of work from January to March. Um, 45 days is how long the legislative session is. Um, Mm -hmm. And then even more time throughout the year for interim. So I could see how that would be a huge barrier for a lot of people our age um, who are not retired yet. And, you know, a lot of them aren't real estate developers like much of the rest of the legislature is. So, yeah, yeah. I would love to see more younger faces on the hill. I would also love to see more renters. But I agree. that's a conversation for another day. Well, it's kind of the same conversation, right? That's true. A lot of the folks on the hill are homeowners, 
they're landlords, so they actually yep. own multiple homes. Yep. Um, I know that Nate Bluen is a renter. He made that uh, a part of his campaign. But yeah, it would be great to have folks on the Hill who are making policy and are actually impacted mm-hmm. by uh, these policy decisions. I'd love to see someone with, you know, a little bit of climate anxiety on the Hill, too. That's also Nate Bluen, so yeah. I feel like Thanks, he's Nate. your candidate. Okay, speaking of the Hill, we've got judge news, judicial news. Just quickly, we've talked a little bit on this show about the nomination process to get Judge Jill Pullman confirmed by the Utah Senate to the Utah Supreme Court. One of the things that makes all of the changes happening at the Utah Supreme Court so interesting is how many cases they are likely to hear either this year or next. We're talking the abortion ban and the injunction. We're talking trans students that want to play sports teams that align with their identity. So if Judge Jill Pullman is confirmed, our Supreme Court would see its first female majority, which is really interesting and certainly an interesting time for that. The Senate Judicial Committee, they said, yep, we see no issues here. We love it. We'd love to see a vote on this. Let's move it along. So that vote could happen fairly soon. Governor Cox was hopeful that she would be on the court. Of course, she is his appointee. Um, He's hopeful that she would be on the court by this fall. And we don't know much about Judge Pullman's politics, but we do know that the person that She is replacing on the court Justice Thomas Lee, the brother of Senator Mike Lee, has been a very, very conservative voice on the court. And so almost certainly legal experts are saying that her appointment would um, shift the balance just a bit to a more moderate court, which is also really relevant given the kind of high profile cases that they're going to be seeing. Allie, I love how you're on the court beat nowadays. (laughs) This is your thing. Um, The only thing I would add to that is this is a process that people can participate in. The Senate still needs to vote on it. The full Senate needs to vote on it. So if you have any strong feelings about Judge Pullman, contact your legislator. Yep, absolutely. Love that call out. Mother's Day is on the horizon, and the good news is that you can find everything you need at Harmon's. Whether it's a little something to brighten Mom's Day or a memorable spread, here are a few ideas. For breakfast, try Harmon's house-baked cinnamon rolls with freshly squeezed orange juice and a package of fresh-cut strawberries. If you're spicing it up with Bloody Marys, don't forget that Harmon's has an olive bar with over 12 different varieties. Now flowers are the perennial favorite, and you can order online or pop by the store last minute. Shop succulents, potted plants, and elaborate arrangements. May's flower of the month is the hydrangea. Very appropriate. Hydrangeas are fragrant and elegant. And if sweets are in order, Harmon's has added raspberry to their selection of brownie flavors. Find all mom's favorites at your local Harmon's or order online at harmonsgrocery.com. Okay. Should we talk about gas prices? No, let's talk about okay, booze let's skip instead. It. Let's talk about booze instead. <laughs> 
Well, first of all, before I feel like anytime we talk about liquor laws, we just have to like give a little hat tip to the king of covering evolving liquor policy in this state, Ben Winslow over at Fox 13, because Bravo. no one live tweets a DABC or shall I say DABS meeting better. That's, so thank you, yeah. Ben Winslow. We appreciate you um, and your public service. Also, Honestly, I wouldn't know anything about liquor policy in this state if I wasn't following Ben. So completely follow agree. Ben. Until I go to buy my favorite seltzer in the grocery store and it's not I'm there like, and I have where no idea it? why. <laughs> where is it? <laughs> and then you're combing through Ben's Twitter archives to find out. Yeah. The Department of Alcoholic Beverage. It used to be control. It is now services. So it was the DABC. It's now the DABS. It is really hard to not say DABC because it's such a cultural institution for all Utahns and especially Salt Lakers. But the DABS had their commission meeting this week. And one of the most interesting things that came out of it for me is the state spends revenue from liquor sales on a couple different things. And one of them is putting that money back into campaigns to decrease underage drinking. And so last year, the state spent $3.1 million running a campaign called Parents Empowered that was basically designed and run to decrease underage drinking in Utah. Hmm. I have some questions, Allie. Yeah. Uh, what do you think a successful underage prevention program would look like? What does that mean? I don't know. I know it's not billboards and TV ads. I feel that deep within my soul. I don't honestly know what that would look like. One of the other programs that liquor sales um, funds is school lunches and free lunches in schools. And I think that maybe we should just take this $3.1 million and just fund the crap out of school lunches. Well, and we saw liquor sales grow over the past year, right? Mm -hmm. We saw way more revenue from liquor sales. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I guess it's a good thing if it's going toward funding school lunch programs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money at play here. Yeah. The increase in sales was $38.7 million year to date, year over year increase, almost $39 million. Population increase, maybe? I would guess that we would continue to see growth in liquor sales. A little bit more liquor news. Two alcohol-related things that we have had, they were taken from us, we're now getting them back. One, beer at Axe Throwing. It's coming back. You're going to be able to get a little tipsy before you throw axes. That's when I do my best axe throwing, actually. Absolutely. And then the second thing that I'm really excited about, because they're the best stocking stuffers, is mini bottles are coming back. Mini liquor bottles. Um, what do you call them, Emily? I think I would just call them mini bottles. You're mini right. bottles. I grew up calling them nips. Excuse me? <laughs> What's that? Nibs? Like, nips? no, nips, like nips? have a nip, like a little, yeah, like a nip, like a little I think nip, maybe, I think a little maybe sip from a little nip. <laughs> I think maybe it comes from like when it's cold out, like it's nippy, like you have a little nip, like it's like a little bite. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Please call us if you also were raised calling mini alcohol bottles nips. Our number is 801-203-0137. Okay, Emily, what are you up to this weekend? Um, I think I'm going to hang out by my apartment's pool. I wish I had like a fun event to tell you about, but 
I don't. I might go to the farmer's market. That would be nice. Is it peach mm-hmm. season yet? I'm I'm hankering for some some peaches. I think it is peach season. It actually might be a little bit late in peach season, but it's definitely watermelon season. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I got to get out there. That's what I'll be doing this weekend. What are you doing yeah. this weekend? I actually have a lot planned this weekend. So Friday night, I'm going to the community block party that's being hosted by the Utah Reproductive Rights Roundtable Coalition, and they are gathering in-kind donations. So the Planned Parenthood Instagram actually has some good promo on that. And then Saturday night, there is a ladies night disco party at Metro Music Hall, and I love disco music, and I'm going to be there. Okay. What's your signature move? (gasps) Oh, um, I really, I can do the hustle. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Cool. What are you going to wear? Do you have sparkles planned? I have sparkles. sparkles. Are there sequins? I've got sequins. I've got sparkles. I have almost exclusively gold jewelry. I love a good rap dress. Who doesn't? For disco music. It's like got just enough flow. So I'll probably be in a rap dress. And yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. Tickets are like 15 bucks in advance, 20 bucks at the door, which I think is pretty fair for two DJs. Sounds like a great time. And it's going to be a great time. If you want some more ideas for what to do this weekend, you can subscribe to our newsletter where right. our amazing newsletter editor, Therina, is compiling all of these fun activities for you. Um, so definitely check that out. That's a great plug. Saltlake.citycast.fm is where you can subscribe. And we will see you next week. Bye. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Diane Majapinto. Our newsletter editor is Perina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the great local band, Mitochondria. I encourage you to check them out. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.